0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Mobile Home Park Expert Podcast. I'm Jason Sroton, here with Glenn Esterson. Glenn, how's it going?
1: Uh, It's another beautiful day.
0: It is, it is. And we're very lucky to have our guest today is John Jacobus from Upward Communities. John, how are you?
2: I'm doing great, Jason. Thanks. Uh, Glad to be here.
0: Yeah. Thanks for being on the show, man. So the reason um, we got in contact was you do something a little different in the mobile home park space, which might be for me a neophyte to the mobile home park world Um, as a easier entry. You you help people get their foot wet, feet wet by partnering on deals with them. Can you kind of take me through what Upward Communities does and maybe a little bit about your history?
2: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So you're right, Jason. We uh, we do like exploring partnership opportunities to allow new operators sort of into getting involved in uh, day-to-day operations. So uh, just background on our separate communities. We started about a year and a half ago. We focus on uh, turnaround parks between sort of 35 and 80 spaces that have some level of, you know, work required. So whether that's Uh, vacancies, whether it's operational problems, whether it's problems with utilities. That's stuff we're finding value in, and we like doing the hard work. Um, We've been using our own money to date to take down these projects. We've got a portfolio of about five parks now, primarily in the southeast. And we're getting to a point where we're running out of our own money, and we're still seeing some good opportunities and being creative about how we can still pursue and grow the portfolio without having to – go through the headache and uh, regulatory you know, overhead associated with raising private capital, we've started to reach out to newbie investors, operators who are interested in uh, getting involved more hand, on a more hands-on basis in operating parks, but may not have the confidence or the experience to go at it alone. So we've done two projects now with uh, people that have the interest and we're looking to sort of join alongside an experienced team of operators so they could learn the ropes themselves and allocate some of their own capital uh, in the hopes that you know in a future point in time they could go at it alone so we've had some success with that finding partners and we like others how to be successful and we also can use help i mean these park turnarounds are uh, heavy lifts so it takes a lot of they're not easy (laughs) yeah and, and you know muscle so we're trying to, with five parks under our belt, we are, we're we're capped and have a lot to do. And so, if there's other capable people that have the interest and the brain power and the muscle, um, the capital, we're just, you know, that's what we like to do, current state, and uh, always looking for creative ways to help each other
1: out and further our own cause. So, so what does it look so like?
0: like? Oh, go ahead, Glenn.
1: Well, well, just, I was just going to tag on to that for how does how does that kind of help you out. So John and and his group, they like to do kind of heavier lifts on, on projects that, you know, will ultimately lead to a higher yield if done correctly and, and, and uh, exited properly. And, you know, for a guy like you, I, you know, I would never allow you to invest in a heavy lift on your first deal for you taking it on with, with everything you got going on in your life and just your inexperience in doing that. Whereas John's model gives a guy like you, the opportunity to participate at whatever level that you're trying to participate in that deal and learn the business, but without having to take your eye off the ball of all the other balls you're juggling. And, um, you can get into a heavier deal, which would have more value add and more upside on it. Um, and, and you know, uh, uh, go through that process, you know, from that angle, whereas if, you know, you were buying a part just by yourself, you know, I'm, you know, instructing you that I want you to buy something easy and something you can baby step into and make a few mistakes and, and not lose. Um, so, you know, that, that's one of the real advantages of using, uh, uh, you know, John and his company uh, for, you know, for for people that want to try and get a bit more yield and have a bit more access to a larger deal uh, without having to go through the brain damage of, of learning how to do it. Now John's had a lot of success for a guy just uh, started a year and a half ago, uh, you know, with five parks, almost 300 units or so under their belt, and um, they, you know, have been successful so far with these turnarounds. And we'll let John speak more to that, at, at, you know, in a little bit. Um, but uh, I just wanted to add a little color for you, so you can get a bit more, you know, understanding of how that relates to you. Yeah. So,
0: like, if it, if I want to learn and I I'm into getting my hands dirty, this is a good fit because I'm going to learn from some of the best in some of the worst situations. Right. But if I don't want to get my hands dirty, this might also be a good option for me.
2: Uh, not yes. necessarily. I, I think, you know, you'd still oh. have to, I think, you know, do some active work. Now we can define how active you want to be. Um, so if it's doing some marketing for some infill or uh, some lighter touch, there. You know, we can. There's a spectrum in terms of involvement. Uh, what we can't, what we currently don't explore, is truly passive, where you're, you know, allocating your capital and not doing anything. Because then that's where we face. You know, we're basically uh, selling a security and we're subject to the
1: syndication rules. So, ah, gotcha. uh, uh, that's that's how you're how you're navigating that. Okay. Yeah.
0: I I that see. Makes so, good sense. so so. You- so the but the work doesn't have to be I, I I'll tell you I think my biggest problem is like I keep thinking of myself like having to go to the park and like you know deal with gross situations that I'm uncomfortable with or people that I'm yeah. uncomfortable with which seems to be a yeah. running theme of of like a certain kind of person like Glenn, I feel like Glenn could go to any park and like become friends with everybody and tell everybody what to do at the same time and be like sure. totally comfortable with it. I'm not that guy. And so I'm right. I'm really worried about that part of the business, even though there's something very appealing from a voyeuristic perspective of like hearing Glenn's stories, but getting down in the dirt, I'm
2: just not so sure of yet. Right. Yeah. So whether you have appetite to be, you know, shaking hands with the tenants or not, I mean, that's where it's uh, quite flexible in our case. We've got people that want to be front lines and others that just, they want to be active, but play a behind the scenes role. So one of the good or things. The business about side of Right, exactly. So one of the good things about these terms is there's a lot to do and it, they cut, you know, the to do's come in a lot of different flavors. So, you know, in one of our partnerships, we have a person who's, I think, a bit more like you, Jason, where they don't want to be front lines. And so what we have them doing is we've got quite a bit of vacancies in our parks. And so they're scouring Craigslist, you know, the local newspaper, uh, Facebook Marketplace, all sorts of channels to find some used homes to bring into the park. So wow. that can just be, you know, reaching out to people via email, call <laughs> whatever. Yeah, that that's right, right
0: up my alley.
2: <laughs> okay. so, and yeah, then when they find with technology. Right. Then, hey, guys, I got one. You know, hey, partners, I've got one. What do you think? Right. It's just sort of doing some sleuth work online, uh, which is really helpful and productive because, you know, every every used home that we bring in is incremental value added to the, the value of the asset. Um, and similarly, on that, on, you know, once we have these homes brought in and rehabbed and ready to rent, that person is also posting ads to Craigslist and to Facebook saying, hey, we've got this available spot. Uh, We're looking for tenants and helping with the lease up activity. So that's a pretty meaty role in many of the parks. We've got, you know, at least 20 to 30 percent vacancy. So there's a lot of time and energy that can be spent there. And it's a meaty role. It's an important part of the business, you know, bringing in finding used homes, bring them in and list them out. Um, And it's very different in terms of dealing with the day-to-day collection issues or you know rule violations or managing the manager so
0: that sounds um, super attractive to me because i can focus on what i'm good at and still be involved in the business and maybe even come up with new technologies that scrape sites and and pull listings down for me so i don't even have to search and make that you know the the job much easier My big question is how does a deal like this structured, right? Like if let's take a million dollar deal and I've got a hundred thousand cash, is that a deal I can enter in? And what do I get? It is.
2: Yeah. So, um, we're pretty flexible on the terms, you know, we'd give you usually uh, a straight dollar for dollar, you know, equity state. So if you're bringing in capital to the table, we're going to give you credit for each dollar that you're bringing in um as part of the equity and then depending upon how active you want to be and doing the work you know we would assign some equity split uh to recognize the work that's being performed.
0: Well how so, do you guys make you know, money?
2: It, like are you putting in on all the deals too? We do put in uh at least, you know, 10 grand into each between twenty five and hundred grand we put into each of the deals that we okay. uh, take down so we're always investing alongside our other partners um, but we're also taking a significant equity cut because of the heavy lifting that we're doing so we're we're primarily the lead operational partners on all the projects that we pursue and for that uh, we're you know we're able to to carve out a portion of the equity specifically for taking a lead and driving the operations and john Um, pardon
0: my ignorance but i want to i want to walk through this because i feel like other newbies might have the same question if it's dollar for dollar and i want to understand your business because it's interesting too how do you guys carve out equity for yourselves that doesn't make it's not clear to me
2: yeah so um let's see let's try to come up with an example here that makes sense so if we were to take down a, a hundred thousand or a million dollar deal, and let's just say we were going to finance it seventy-five uh, percent loan-to-value. Okay. Right? Um, so that means there's a two hundred fifty thousand dollar equity gap that we would need to fill, right? If you were to bring fifty uh, uh, percent, so in this case it may not be dollar per dollar, but if you were to bring a hundred grand to the table, right? You would. Um, Bring hundred grand in equity, and that would re, that would leave the remaining one hundred fifty thousand dollar equity gap. Uh, we'd probably, as as upward, we'd probably bring fifty to the table, and then have to find another partner to fund the other hundred thousand. Right. So that so let's say we've got three groups: we've got you, we've got us, and we've got another third partner bringing a hundred thousand. Upward communities, we'd probably take thirty percent. Of that equity, uh-huh. just for our for our contribution of dollars, and then also for the work that we're performing. Um, depending upon you know how you're coming in, you'd at least have a third of that, plus you know between five and fifteen percent for the the actual role that you're going to be doing, and then we explore the same type of construct with the third partner. So that's sort of how we navigate. You know, every partner is playing. We're trying to determine. An active role that they would be playing, and size a, a split of the equity accordingly, and then give them credit for the the dollar contribution that they're bringing to the table.
0: Yeah, you've got a tough job, man, because you got to bring people in, and then you have to assess what value they're going to bring early on. And if they yeah. if they mess up, you're screwed. Right. Like yeah. you're, you're, you, I mean, I'm sure you have conditions and all of that, but that sounds challenging. Yeah. And, I'm, and and now I understand like how, how you guys, I always like to know how the, the people who are putting the deal together make money. Cause it makes me feel yeah. more comfortable understanding. Okay. Well, I know everybody's got to make money, but how? Hey, yeah. Gl- Glenn, have you ever done a deal like this or have been part of these kinds of deals?
1: I've, I've been a part of, of various deals that were like that. And, Especially when I first started investing in real estate, I used to, uh, you know, back in the day, if I was selling like an apartment building or an industrial building or something, uh, I would often take half of my fee and use it as some of that equity gap. Um, it, 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 it could take a piece of, you know, ownership, usually one to three percent ownership of the deal or something like that um, and, uh, you know, help fund that way. But I wouldn't be involved with the day to day. Um, other partnerships, uh, you, know, bet, you know, going further back in some of the real estate deals, like on single family housing and townhouses and stuff I used to play with, um, you know, I'd have a, like a 50-50 partner in, in money, uh, but then I would do most of the work and then get an extra piece of the pie for that work that I was doing, essentially a management fee. Um, you know, so there's a thousand ways to carve up these deals when you, when you start using partners, and each of them has their own advantages. Um, and you know the the syndicators often tend not to make too much money until the deal gets completed and that's that's where their payday tends to lie um it's uh, a lot of given giving away things with uh, uh you know from the earnings of the park that are haven't yet been stabilized uh and and you know foregoing uh transaction fees or or, or uh, um, uh syndicator fees and things like that to you know, help help the deal push along. So the, the syndicators often take take a back seat to the front money, and so guys like you are getting your 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 preferred equity or your preferred payments or whatever the term that is being thrown around. You so every month or quarter you're getting your payout if there's cash flow, um, or if you've just given them hard money to to borrow on, they're paying you the interest on that. Um, and that's what and John so is.
0: It, John, your syndicator in this in this we're, respect. We're
2: not, you know. We, d- we don't syndicate the equity, but uh, so the the, the, main, the main difference, right? The syndication versus this JV joint venture partnership is uh, with a syndication, you know you are exchanging a promise for return for capital. And so as a, as a participant in a syndication, as a passive investor, you're going to give your money to a sponsor in exchange for a promise for return and for a promise not to have to do any work. Gotcha. So you're relying gotcha. on others to do the work for you to benefit. In what we're doing, and there's a there's a lot of and that's basically a security, right? It's basically right. a security. And as a result, it's governed by rules that are put together by the Securities and Exchange Commission. And it can be costly and a compliance, you know, uh, a compliance nightmare to deal with. Right. So for us, we're we're pursuing these smaller projects between thirty and eighty lots. It just doesn't make sense for us to go through the legal paperwork and bear the cost and the complexity of compliance. So what we're trying to do is find people that can do the work and, and are willing to be active and, you know, carve out As Glenn was saying, there's a million different ways that you can carve this out so that it makes sense for people involved. So if you're bringing a line share of the capital, great. You're probably going to, you know, uh, own a bunch of the equity in the project. Um, we're making some portion of the equity split because we're bringing our processes, our uh, technology infrastructure and the know-how to the table. Um, And, you know, we may not fill the entire capital gap, but that's, you know, it's just different ways to slice up the pie uh, where two people can join together and co-operate the park.
1: Right. And and the model that you guys are using, uh, Jay, and the model that, that they're using is, by having the uh partner actually participate in the in the labor involved in these things whether it's on the back end office or it's on the front lines of of, of the park uh, that's the model that they're doing to uh to not have it just be a silent partner that would require some sec stuff so by 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 kind of holding hands together as the deal you, you it, pretending it was us three that were doing a deal, we would all have separate obligations on 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 the business and operational side. Plus, we would all have you know our own cash put into it, and that wouldn't be you know, something that would trigger any SEC compliances. Yeah, you in know what's way.
0: you know what's very similar is in uh, I'm in the film business, so when we make a movie, if I don't want to pay a Screen Actors Guild wage. I can get away with making the person a producer and giving them a different set of rules. It sounds like just another workaround to 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 just make it all work and make it easier.
2: That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly.
0: And you know, it, it, it's great because you're actually learning something, and I, I and you're moving forward. So I, I I 100% get it, and this actually. I Glenn I think this is from everything we've talked about by far the most interesting to me because I can add value which is key to me because that means that yeah. we can get without a better to payout. Be on the front line. without yeah, yeah without without to kicking out a, a a drug dealer and a prostitute <laughs> you know right yeah from our good and yeah. bad and ugly stories nightmares we'll
1: <laughs> we'll let Jacob do that because I don't want to do that anymore. anymore. <laughs> I'm tired of that game.
0: <laughs> um. So, John, on the on the let let's go back in history a little bit. So, we were talking before we started when I was having all my technical problems about kind of where your past was and where you how you ended up here. And I really want to understand what was the past and then what made you decide to really make the transition and why do you think that this is the place to play right now?
2: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So going way back uh, about 20 years ago when I got started just investing in real estate in general, uh, I got started. I'm originally from the San Francisco Bay area in California, Uh, currently live in New York. So in the early two thousands, my dad, brother and I, Got started, formed a little small partnership, and did a couple of uh, single-family fix-and-flips down in Southern California. At the time, Southern California was still recovering uh, from the the defense downturn in the '90s, and so we just seized an opportunity. It was my dad's way of uh, sharing with his sons and demonstrating, you know, a different way to create wealth and and explore the entrepreneurial zone. Um, and so that got I got I took you know, the bait hook line and sinker and got really interested into, you know, this cool new thing of, uh, buying real estate, fixing it up, adding value and then selling it and, uh, doing it again. So that's, that's good. That's a good yeah. dad. That's a good
1: that's dad. Right. Yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah. So that I mean, I was a teenage, right? I was 18 when that was happening. I was still going to school and, um, got an early start there and that sort of set my path for the next couple of years Acquired a couple of long-term buy and hold in the Southwest, and then over the years just sort of slowly scaled up into larger and more significant projects. Um, In about the uh, 2010 to 2012, got really interested in multifamily projects in uh, in the Southeast and uh, took on a couple of uh, larger projects, about 100 units and got more active there, started joining with other partners and helping them raise capital, and just progressively inched along um, until about 2016, 17, when, you know, we have gotten late in the cycle and the opportunity to find value was really uh, limited and facing a lot of competition and just think, real challenges and finding good
1: opportunities. Um,
2: yeah, so I, that to you
1: too, huh? That's, uh- yeah. Seems to be what a lot of guys are saying yeah. about
2: uh, about 16, 17. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, in you know, along the same time, I had heard about you know other a variety of different options: self storage, uh, even owning you know small businesses, uh, oil and gas wells. I'm all I've just always been interested in these other strange niches that have attractive economics. Um, I also happened to learn about other really successful investors like Sam Zell, Warren Buffett, who are in the manufacturing housing industry in a big way. And, you know, I think it was just uh, a Saturday afternoon or something, said, huh, there's got to be something more to this mobile home park thing. Uh, You know, Warren Buffett being the owner of Clayton Homes, the largest manufacturer of mobile homes in the country, uh, and being in the financing of mobile homes in a big way through 21st Mortgage. Similarly, Sam Zell owning Equity Lifestyle and, you know, being the, the largest owner of uh, manufactured housing communities in the US, I thought, hey, these guys are onto something. I respect them as investors. They're in the business in a big way. There's got to be something to this. What are they seeing that uh, I haven't discovered yet? So just started reading and learning uh, about other operators in the space, understanding the economics. And the more that I dug into things, the more attractive and the more bells went off in my mind. I really like things that are unloved and uh, fragmented and, and hard. Uh, nobody talks about, you know, owning mobile home parks at cocktail parties because uh, it's unpopular, <laughs> and it's not sexy.
1: but that's the
2: kind of, I, love. I mean, if it's cash gushing and, you know, creates an opportunity to build wealth. I don't care how unpopular it is, you know, in the public eyes. those are things that I want to, you know, own. So. Um, yeah, getting to know other people that were doing it, and uh, Glenn. Before the show, we're talking about Katerina and, and her team. Uh, there's, you know, I live now in, in New York, and there's quite a, a robust community of owner operators, investors um, in New York. And so yeah, starting and see- to know them, and you know, collaborate, discuss opportunities, and just in the spirit of getting to know more about the industry. Uh, Katerina and her partners had an opportunity that they were passing on because they had some other priorities. And I seized that as an opportunity to dig in. And uh, we eventually closed that deal. And that was our first park that we had under ownership. So, uh, you know, that's a long journey from, uh, you know, early 2000s until now. And as we got that first deal, you know, everything expanded after that. The deal flow started to come through in a major way. Uh, We started to learn, you know, the lessons learned from the first deal, what we would do differently as we took on our next one and our next one. And that's where we are in the journey. is just continuing to move forward, figuring out, you know, where our strengths are, where we can do things better, uh, being opportunistic and just keeping things open and remaining flexible uh, and open minded. Um, so that's where we are today.
0: Yeah. Well, what's the, biggest, right. um, what's the biggest thing you learned from MHPs so far? What would you tell the viewers yeah. is the biggest thing to to be aware
2: of? So I think um, in some cases, the you know, investments in MHPs are marketed as a you know, passive investment opportunity, primarily because you know, in a perfect world, you own the dirt and you simply operate you know, the property like a parking lot and you don't really need to do anything other than collect checks on a monthly basis from your residents who own their homes, and you just own the dirt? Um, well, in some cases, that may exist. And that certainly is an appealing factor, if you can find it. Um, we haven't experienced that. Uh, it's quite a heavy lift and requires a lot of hands-on ownership. I know, Glenn, you've shared you know, countless stories of just how much work it takes to, to operate these things. And so you know, to new people that have an interest and are looking at uh, considering getting involved, I would say, I mean, this is a business that requires a lot of hands-on work. And you don't necessarily have the benefit of other professionals in the industry that you can rely on for management. So in contrast to uh, in contrast to apartments where you do have quite a robust, capable network of third-party management companies, uh, we haven't found ones and we haven't heard of really solid uh, vendors, third-party managers for uh, mobile home parks. So that means there's, you
1: there's talk- a couple. There's a couple around the country, and some of them are, are very effective, um, and some are more effective than others. Uh, you know, there's one group that's it's very nationally known and used by a lot of the big guys, uh, and they they, they exceed uh, expectations on stabilized parks. They do a great job with their- uh, with them, uh, but on heavy value ads, from a third-party management view, very, very few uh, uh, third parties are going to be able to effectively exercise that upside. Um, it's it's just so challenging. So a guy like you does have to get you know knee deep in it to to be able to make that work. But when you get it to to you know eighty five percent or better you know, that's, that's about when a lot of the management companies that are available, and there is just only a few that I know of, um, uh, will start coming online for you. Uh, in the meantime, it's, uh, you know, <laughs> you better get up and go and make that work happen because it's yeah. they're waiting. <laughs> yeah.
0: It sounds like yeah, it's never right. ending.
2: Yeah, it is. I mean, it's always something. So, you know, there's just so many small things that you need to pay attention to and handle, and uh, you know, as you start to grow a portfolio, those small things really add up, and it's a lot to stay on top of. So it is. Uh,
1: Which is, is, hard- is do you guys own park-owned homes?
2: Or? We do. Yeah, we do. We I mean, we prefer to to have tenant-owned homes throughout all our communities, but just the natural part of the business is you find yourself with some homes. So yeah, uh, yeah, we've got we've got park-owned homes, and you know, we rehab them, and we've got home renters in there, and
1: you know that comes along with some challenges and um, that adds to the, lay- the, the the level of work that needs to be done especially when you own these yeah. these boxes wrapped in a thin coat of metal built with OSB with you know a roof that's you know deliberately trying to separate every day of the week sometimes if you have an old right. home uh,
2: right you
1: know one one good rainstorm that you know, you don't, you don't think too much about it and it starts a little leak and you come back a month later and you realize, oh, man, I don't have a floor anymore in this place. You know, I don't have a window. I, you know, I don't have a wall. I have to redo the electricity. Um, you know, so the, that could really eat up time and, uh, and and be very aggravating doing it over and over again. But some, you know, it's uh, there's climates like the Southwest in, in Southern California, like where you were at, where these homes will last forever. And stay in great shape, and there's a lot less maintenance involved. But uh, here in the southeast, specifically, uh, we get a lot of weather, um, and uh, it seems like the shelf life of our homes here, uh, you know, is, is shorter than the lifespan of these ones out in the southwest. So, you know, more things to consider when you're when you're buying these parks, guys who are listening, is you know, location does have an impact on that, and you know, as you're hearing it from from a strong operator, that it takes a lot of work to keep these things in line until you get to that cherry a plus, you know, turnkey thing. It's uh, they take a lot of work. And when you add layers like houses into it, it's going to add some more work to you. And as usual, I'm going to tell you, don't underestimate the, the level of hard this business is to stay on top of. For sure. Yeah. hundred percent agree.
0: This is a random question. Yeah. So when I, when I was a kid um, in Sheridan, Indiana, we lived in a modular home, right? Has is yeah. a modular home different than a mobile home park home? Oh,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 We, we, you know, we're about to put under, uh, or, uh, we're hopefully hoping, hoping to list a park in Pennsylvania uh, that is uh, a beautiful park. And it, there's a section that's old, uh, you know, older mobile homes and, you know, traditional kind of mobile home park style. But the whole 70% of the rest of the park. It's a fairly large park is, is modular homes. And they, it straight up looks like a subdivision in there. And, uh, it's very pretty well, very laid out the, these, these homes that she has in there about $180,000 a piece. Wow. Um, and it's, you know, they, they got garages and, you know, uh, all that kind of stuff. It's a, it's a, it's a beautiful thing that, that she has over at her park. Um, and, you know, that, that is so easy to, to finance when you have it down to that and much less work to, to get into. I mean, really, you're, you're ended being more of a homeowners association type of landlord where you're dealing with just general maintenance and, and all that kind of jazz. It's, uh, the whole park is usually built a lot differently. Um, and at, uh, you know, at the, at, the overall quality is, is going to give you less headaches to have to deal with. But, you know, it takes a minute to, to buy your first park that way. Because um, you know, they're more guys, expensive, right? You're not going to get a lot of extra. Yeah, they're more expensive. There's less upside in them. Um, I mean, this one has upside because it has, you know, vacant lots. But um, at the same time, you know, it, it's an expensive, you know, house to purchase, you know. And it's uh, it, it, it will take a minute to fully build out. But for what it is, it's a really, really nice deal.
0: Do they um, depreciate I, at the same I, rate? Was,
1: do they dep- no, no. They, they, have, they have a much higher standard of building from what I understand. And I'm not the expert on, on the manufacturing side of these homes, but the modular homes last, like, they, they look like a real house. They act like a real uh, house. Oh Yeah, I no, you
0: know. Ours seemed real.
1: You know, <laughs> yeah, it's, it, 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 they, they, they tend to have a very long shelf life. Um, you know, it's not just a tin can, you know, with, uh, with OSB insulate, you know, with OSB, you know, right behind a, a 16th, you know, uh, inch of metal, you know? So it's, uh, they're both considerably different. Now the new, mo- the new mobile homes today are built at a much higher standard, but, you know, as most of our audience, I'm, I'm assuming those, we're typically talking about stuff pre 1995 and typically talking about like C class, C minus class type of parks, that um, you know that we're here to add value to and take them up to a nicer grade park, but still uh, not these class A you know modular subdi- modular home subdivision type of communities gotcha. typically for this show. Although you know we can definitely talk about that whole side of the investment, but I think most of the guys are, are more like John, who who are looking for you know some strong value in, in, in a way that they could um, expedite the upside. And uh, uh, you know, move on to the next deal, or or keep it for cash flow. However they, you know, however their exits kind of look like these. Other ones are not so much that style for what I'm assuming is most of our audience who. Uh, you know, I don't really know because we don't track you know, those guys. We're right? not uh, tracking them I yet. Would, I, I, I would think. <laughs> I would think that you know they're not going after that kind of stuff.
0: You know? um, well, guys, but, uh, yeah, we, yeah, sorry we, to go off on a rant. No, no, I'm the one who brought up the random topic, and it, I have like three others, but we're running out of time. So I want to thank uh, John Jacobus from Upward Communities. And if people want to get in touch with John, uh, which John, uh, I'm sure I'm going to be contacting you at some point um you can go to upwardcommunities.com and then you can email john directly at john at com. John, thank you so much for being on the show today.
2: Yeah, thanks guys. It was a pleasure. Glenn, Absolutely. thank you. Hey, I would like
1: to say one thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jason, I'd like to say one thing real quick. John, John touched on um uh, a group of investors in, in New York City uh, I, I forget the, the little area of New York City that they're in, but there's a great group out there for those of you that are listening, uh, run by uh, Katerina Stepanova, and I think it's called the MHP Tribe.
2: And right. they, they get together
1: every, every month or every six weeks, and uh, you know, talk shop, and you know, there's some great guys and girls that are in that, um, you know, in that meetup. And I would highly recommend looking them up on on uh, Facebook. Uh, and just, I think it's MHP tribe on Facebook and, yep. uh, That's you know, cool. See, if you're in the area saying, hi, she, she's great. She's, she's, she's doing a great job in this business. And it sounds like, you know, John, you know, had a nice healthy start with her too. And, uh, you know, anything, uh, uh you're in that area, i recommend saying hi. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So thank you all for listening for the mobile home park expert podcast. I'm Jason Sroton here always with Glenn Esterson. We'll see you next time.